0: Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by reanimatedrecords.com. Fair warning, Rewind of the Living Dead is a
1: review show, so spoilers are ahead. Long before The Walking Dead was the most popular show on television, George Romero introduced zombies to American film audiences with his series of dead films, beginning with the 1968 classic Night of the Living Dead. Filmed on a small budget outside his adopted hometown of Pittsburgh, Romero took an unknown cast set against the backdrop of a cemetery and a farmhouse and created one of the defining horror films in history. While some filmmakers helped to define a genre, Romero essentially created one all by himself. The black and white movie was initially criticized as a pornography of violence, but as years passed the film became a beloved piece of cinema history, with some reviewers calling it gruesomely terrifying. With Halloween night fast approaching, let's board up all the doors and windows and get the torches ready, as Rewind of the Living Dead takes a deep dive on our namesake, Night of the Living Dead. to rewind with the living dead I am Damon Martin and I'm Patrick Guerra and Patrick this week of course it is Halloween and we are talking about an all-time classic we were kind of debating on what we wanted to talk about this week it's a big holiday of course for us horror movie fans and we talked about Halloween but we felt like that might have been a little bit too on the nose and of course we're going to get to the Halloween franchise down the road and there's a lot of choices but when you talk about iconic horror films, you know, you talk about The Exorcist, you talk about Jaws, you talk about uh, you know, Rosemary's Baby, things like that. But I, I don't want to say it started at all because it didn't, obviously. Nosferatu, there's other movies like that. But Night of the Living Dead it has, has really held its own place in history, especially when you're considering the genre it really helped to create.
0: Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it might not have been one of the first horror movies uh most like eighties, nineties kids saw. But when you when you look back at it, like everything kicks off there. There was, like you said, plenty of horror films. You had the Universal Monster Universe and all that stuff back in the day, uh, all the Lon Chaney cool stuff and 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 stuff like Nosferatu, for since the time of Silent Film. But horror didn't really catch on until night of the living dead made its statement. And and when it came out, uh, there was nothing like it. There really wasn't. And, and I revisited it coming up for this podcast. And I was like, man, this is, is a special film.
1: It really is. And, you know, it holds a special place in my heart, you know, uh, you know, going back to when I was a little kid, you know, I've been, I've been watching horror movies since, you know, well before I probably should have been watching horror films Uh, But I remember when I was, I I want to say when I was like five or six years old, I remember my parents and some of their friends were sitting around and they were going to watch Night of the Living Dead and they said, I couldn't watch it. I was too little. I was too young. It would scare the crap out of me and I couldn't watch it. And I remember they started watching it and I snuck out of my bedroom and the way our our living room was set up, the couch was kind of to the side. And so I kind of snuck up behind the couch and peeked my head around and watched this movie with like, you know, adults all sitting on the couches watching the movie and I'm kind of peeking around the corner where <laughs> watch this like black and white movie on you know when, when you're a kid you know a 27 inch tv is about all you could afford uh you know so it wasn't like we had this yeah, big screen big or, yeah so we watched you know, I watched this black and white movie you know this green movie from the backdrop behind a couch when I'm like five years old and and that movie stuck with me forever and it really set me down a path to where you know I, I fell in love with horror movies I mean that was kind of the, the birth of my my fascination and my love with horror I mean uh, my girlfriend just asked me today she's like do you remember the First movie, the, the first uh, horror film you saw in the theater, and I said I'm pretty sure it was Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And I was way, way, way too young to see that in the movie theater. But I remember begging my parents to like, let me go see that. But that doesn't happen, that film doesn't happen. My obsession with horror films doesn't happen, I don't think. If I don't sneak out of my bedroom when I'm five years old and I go watch Night of the Living Dead, like that movie is. That movie is the movie that that introduced me to what horror films are, and and I think that films, I think it's a, for a lot of people from you know 1968 going up into the 80s until we got into you know obviously you know Exorcist and other movies are out there, but now The Living Dead was one of those movies you could always revisit, you could always show someone and, and they would get it, and and it still largely works yeah. today.
0: Yeah, it definitely does, and that's really cool that like. That is your movie. Like I know what mine is. Well, that's another podcast for another time. But it's cool to know that tonight we're talking about Damon Martin's like entry point. Like this was this was this was really where it started. I love that imagery of just like hiding behind the couch <laughs> watching something you're not supposed to be watching. I have stories like that with like Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and <laughs> things like that because my parents didn't want me watching that. But that's it's cool to know that this is your uh, ground zero. That's
1: awesome. It really is. And and I you know I. Like, you know, and we'll get into more of our history of horror, you know, down the road as we get into. You know, for people that don't know, like we talk about, I, I, I've said on the, I think I've said on the podcast before, but I'm a massive slasher movie fan. I grew up on Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th. So I'm a slasher movie fan. I'm not, zombies are not my favorite genre of horror film, but that being said, Mm -hmm. Night of the Living Dead, I love, Dawn of the Dead, and eventually we'll get to Dawn of the Dead, probably one of the greatest horror movie, greatest uh, zombie movie of all time, Day of the Dead. And I actually lived in Pittsburgh for five years and where I lived in Pittsburgh, I was Literally five minutes away from the Evan City Cemetery where they filmed *Night of the Living Dead*. So one of the first oh, things nice. I, yeah, one of the first things I did when I moved to Pittsburgh was I took a drive up there, and it looks just like it does in the movie. I mean, you can see the movie and you can see the landmarks at Evan City Cemetery nice. uh, where they filmed it. I took photos, and you know, I mean, I was like, I was just blown away because that was literally where they filmed it. And it was just so cool to be there. And I've, you know, once I lived in Pittsburgh, I went to Monroeville Mall where they filmed Dawn of the Dead, I went to the salt mines where they filmed Day of the Dead, uh, you know, because you can find all the landmarks around Pittsburgh where George Romero filmed these movies. So I kind of became a George Romero fan more than anything. You know, obviously I love zombies and things like that, but Night of the Living Dead was a launching point. And it's just cool that those landmarks are still there that you can go see. If you ever get to Pittsburgh, you can actually go to Evans City Cemetery and see where they filmed that, you know, the opening, that iconic opening scene of, of Night of the Living Dead.
0: Dude, you got me beat. You make me look like a horror novice. Like, like I, I don't have any of those cool stories. <laughs> like, that's that's awesome. Like, the letter from Freddie, and you got, and you you were actually living and visiting, like all the all the spots from you know some of your favorite movies. That's cool.
1: Yeah, it's just, well, you know, and and the Pittsburgh thing just worked out really well. I didn't move there for that, but I happened to live there. And you know, George Romero is an iconic figure of that. I mean, he went to Carnegie Mellon, which is a you know Pittsburgh. Uh, institution, you know, P- Pittsburgh College, and uh, and yeah, I mean, he made you know, he introduced Pittsburgh into all his films. I mean, even his later films, you know, Land of the Dead. That is, you know, uh, you know, it, it, they don't ever say Pittsburgh in it, but you know, it's supposed to be Pittsburgh. You know, with the three rivers surrounding the city, right. which is they they call Pittsburgh the Three River City. Uh, so he made that his kind of like you know home base for all of his movies, and uh, and yeah, I love it. I mean, and actually at Monroeville Mall. They have a zombie museum inside the mall where you can actually go in and see. Oh, that's great. You can go in and see, and they actually, one of the, uh, the stand-ups that they have, one of the mannequins that they have inside is the opening zombie from Night of the Living Dead. They have an exact replica of that zombie uh, <laughs> in there in the zombie museum. And it's not, when you say zombie museum, I'm making it sound like this big place. It's not. It's a, it's the size of a mall store, and you can go walk through it, and they sell T-shirts and you know bumper stickers sure. and stuff. But it's still a cool experience, especially it's in Mon- in roeville mall which is where they filmed dawn of the
0: dead oh that's cool
1: I, you got me thinking i wonder if because
0: i i, I knew that about george uh, george a romero that that he he made pittsburgh like the home base for all of his movies and he set the movies specifically in pittsburgh i wonder if that influenced m night Shyamalan at all because m night like insists on his movies being being home base for him like he i wonder if he was like George a. Romero did it I'm going to do it too like he doesn't live in LA and this is a big Hollywood director I wonder if that kind of rubbed off on him or not that's yeah. just a
1: curious yeah everything M. Night Shyamalan does is based out of uh, Philadelphia which is where he's from and uh oh, where so he yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Philadelphia yeah and uh, and yeah that they yeah exactly he does he bases all of his movies from sixth sense and on up to to that but yeah so now living dead you know cuz i've seen this movie you know dozens of times over the years it's you know one of the movies i've seen the most and, and when we were doing this podcast i said i don't really need to rewatch it man i've seen it so many times like it's almost kind of like pointless <laughs> but i went back and rewatched it last night and i'm glad i did because i kind of watched it with a little different eye and it's still great. I mean, I'm not going I'm not going to bury the lead here. It is still a great movie. You know, it still holds up. I mean, there's still some really, you know, terror, you know, there's still some really good, you know, I won't say when I say scary, I don't mean scary, but like, you know, good like jolting moments, you know, well done. There's there's solid acting in a lot of parts of the movie for, you know, an unknown cast, you know, people that weren't, you know, Hollywood actors by any stretch of the imagination. The script is still good. Uh, you know, there's still some really good action scenes, even though, again, the effects were a lot different back then. Uh, but, yeah, it, it still holds up. Yeah. And when I say it holds up, I mean that in, like, obviously it's a 1960s movie, so it doesn't look as clean or, or as well produced as something you'd see in 2020. But it still and it holds up. Like, I still enjoy it. I still well, I still enjoy watching that movie.
0: It has great atmosphere. I think that's the thing that you know. George wasn't working with a lot of money. He wasn't working with like the best prosthetics in the world. Like he was just trying to get this message out. And at, at the end of the day, any great film, it doesn't matter what what genre it's in, uh, if if you have enjoy it to the fullest. But if the story's great, and the story in The Night of Living Dead is great, you get a great movie. And 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 you have George A. Romero, who's actually a proper visionary. And, and put together something that had atmosphere, it had a heart, it had a message. Uh, it, it
1: really ticked all the boxes for what makes a good movie. Yeah, and, and like I said, at that point, I mean, you know, the only, you know, I think, I, I think at that point the only known, you know, zombies, you know, there was like the, the voodoo zombies, I think at that point was like a thing but not really yeah. the zombies that he created, and he kind of again create. As I said yeah. in the intro, he created his own genre because he created his own zombies, and and really again, and 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 not that people don't pay him credit. I mean, yeah, you know, Robert Kirkman who created the Walking Dead, as far oh, yeah. as I said, like George Romero was a massive. How could you not say George Romero was a massive influence on you? Yes. But like. I love that you know every anyone who anyone who has ever done a zombie movie since 1968 it, you know has mentioned at some point George Romero was an influence on them whether it was night or day or dawn or whatever but they've all mentioned what an influence yeah. because again in a rare way he created a genre that is still are in mean, 2020 we're still watching the Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead and these are I mean these are all things that come directly from the lineage yeah. of George Romero
0: and honestly those first couple of seasons of The Walking Dead, I mean, they really are almost an extension of Night of the Living Dead. They're, they have very similar tones. They have, it's, it's very similar kind of like uh, 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 philosophical questions behind them. Like, like all that is very tied to the to the Night of the Living Dead. Like, it's 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 almost like a, a like a child of it.
1: Yeah, it really is, and you know the the thing about Night of the Living Dead, you know, and listen, there's a lot of reasons why this film works. The opening is so great with them showing up at the the cemetery to put you know flowers on their father's gravestone, and the black and white. And again, you know, obviously there's some great, you know, I mean there are you know black and white you know movies that are purposely black and white, not because they had to be black and white, but like a black and white movie like Night of the Living Dead. Uh, you know that it just adds a certain element of creepiness. Of I don't know. I don't know. Like obviously, we talked about it last week, and I'll say it again now. the The nineteen ninety, I believe, the year, the remake, the Tom Savini version of Night of the Living Dead and we're going to do an yeah. episode where we eventually talk about that. I really enjoy that remake. I thought Tom Savini did a tremendous job Me with too. that and obviously that's color but you know this movie I think so much of it works because of the black and white there's a certain creepy element to it because of the black and white and you know, you're not seeing the blood. I mean they, they were using like Bosco chocolate syrup for the blood uh, because they, yeah. you know, they didn't have yeah. blood and so that's what they were using because it looked good on camera but like that black and white that really does add a different element to it.
0: I think when you, when you don't have that much of a budget, go black and white. I mean, even today, even by today's standards, let's say you're going to shoot a zombie film on your iPhone, drop the whole thing to black and white when you put it into editing, and all of a sudden it has a different atmosphere to it, largely in thanks to this movie.
1: Yeah. And, and what, I, what I enjoy about you, know, there's so many elements of Night of the Living Dead that, that worked. Uh, in that era, and, and still hold up to this day. Obviously, you got the zombies. Which, if you're a zombie fan, you can't be a zombie fan without watching Night of the Living Dead. Which, by the way, they never actually say the word zombie in Night of the Living Dead, which is hilarious. Uh, no. they, call, they call them ghouls or whatever. But uh, there's a lot of elements of fear, you know, tapped into this movie. You've got the 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 fear of you know someone coming after you, which you know I don't know what that is called. I mean, obviously there's, there's I'm sure there's a phobia for it, but like that fear of being you know chased. That, that's in there beyond yeah. the zombie. I was just being chased. That that opening scene of Barbara running away from the zombie and, you know, putting her car out of park and rolling down the hill and all that, like, there's that. And then you got claustrophobia, you know, being yeah. in that house, being, you know, contained by those walls, talking about going down that basement and, and knowing that you're kind of contained in this space. And then, you know, again, there's just, like, there's so many different elements to it. And then the human factor, you know, you see it, like the tension building between you know, Harry and Ben and, and all that. So there's a lot of layers to the horror in this film. And it's because you don't always see the zombies. Of course, you do a lot of the movie, but the zombies are not omnipresent. So there's other layers. And I think, again, that sets the stage for every zombie movie you're ever going to see because every zombie movie after that has a similar element to that.
0: Yeah, actually, I think what a lot of great horror movies do is that they take a lot of time away from the monster, the scariness, the, the, whatever the scary thing is. And they focus on the human element and, and the growing paranoia. That's like a big thing. Like the thing is, uh, is a great example of like paranoia is half the beast. It's half the scariness of this, of of the, of the film, uh, neither living dead. These people are trapped in this house. They don't know each other. They don't trust each other. And they're in this crisis together and, and, they're not sure what to do because they, it's like every man for himself, but we also have to get out of this situation where we're about to be devoured by zombies. So that, that element, that paranoia element, I love that. It, a, a lot of the great uh, horror films do that.
1: Yeah, they really do. And you know, this, this movie, I mean, the premise is, you know, it's simple, you know, and it's delivery. You got, you know, a woman and her brother going to set, you know, flowers on the gravestone, a random zombie shows up, and then, you know, she runs to this farmhouse where she runs into this guy Ben who has, you know, basically stolen a truck to get away from the zombies at a gas station. And they all end up at this farmhouse and they find out there's other people in the basement and they're basically trying to survive this onslaught of zombies. And and there is another element that I love about this movie, and and I don't know, maybe it's me. You know, that war of the worlds feeling where you hear the radio broadcast, you see the television broadcast, and yeah. they're kind of explaining what's going on, like There is something, and and I know you do that, the explaining, the expository part, you do that so you don't have a budget to show, like, these giant battles between police and zombies and everything, but it works so well. Like, I love it. Like, there's just, like, watching, watching them watch the TV or watching them listen to this news report where they talk about, like... Is it radiation? The dead are walking. The dead are rising from the grave. Like, whatever. Like, you hear this. And, like, there is something truly scary about that. And I I love that. And there's only certain movies that have been able to pull that off. You know, but I love what they did in this movie because that adds another layer of dread. You know, because you kind of see it in their eyes. And they have to kind of act you know, through their facial expressions of like what they're seeing or what they're hearing. And, and I love that, even though, again, it's very low budget. You're not seeing the zombies, you're just hearing this. I love that element of it because it really does add another layer of, 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 of terror, so to speak. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just cool. Yeah, it's a great movie. Well, we got a lot of categories we want to talk about tonight with Night of the Living Dead, so let's get right into it. And we're going to kick things off, as we pretty much do every week, with best and worst performances. So let's kick things off with best performance in Night of the Living Dead. Patrick, where does this sit for you? What is the best performance in Night of the Living Dead? Best
0: performance for me goes to our lead, uh, uh, Dwayne Jones as Ben. I mean, he's he clearly has like acting chops. I I I don't I didn't do a ton of research on him ahead of time, but it's clear like he comes from like a theater background or something like that. Like he really uh, sells everything that's going on right there. He and he carries the movie on his shoulders. Everyone else not so much, but Dwayne really stands out. And like I think you could slot him into any good film of the day, and he would have he would been passable as a really good actor.
1: Yeah, yeah, I gotta agree. It's Dwayne Jones. I mean, listen, he does so much heavy lifting in this movie. It's hard not to put it back on him. But he does. He he expresses so much throughout this movie. I mean, he's the strong. You know, the strong lead character at the beginning when you know when when uh, when Barbara is kind of gone, you know, catatonic in the opening and trying to deal with the terror of her brother and 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 the zombie attacking her. He's kind of the one who has to you know kind of snap her out of it and, and defend the defend the home. And then you know, you see it like in the moment when he goes out to get the truck and they're they're fighting off the zombies and they're trying to get gas for the truck. You kind of see a little bit of the the action hero in him. And then you see a little bit of the terror when he's yeah. downstairs. And he's fighting Harry and you know he he he, he takes it to a lot of different levels in this movie and again I don't really like to bag on on the actors too much. When you got an amateur cast, it's kind. Of, again, I bring up Clerks because Clerks is one of my all-time favorite movies. The acting in that in that movie, there yeah. are I think there are good performances. You know, uh, 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 Jeff Anderson who plays Randall, is moments. great, yeah. Jeff Anderson who plays Randall yeah. is brilliant, and, oh, I, and I wish he had gone on to do more stuff than just a, you know more Kevin Smith movies. Not to say he's bad. Obviously, he's a great actor in Kevin Smith movies, and I'm the biggest Kevin Smith fan ever. Uh, but, like, that's not a movie with, like, known actors. So I don't really judge it the same. Like, I know that maybe I should, maybe I should compare it to other actors, but I don't. They're not all lifetime actors, they were local actors that he picked and very much the same thing here. Ben or Dwayne Jones was a local theater actor in Pittsburgh. Judith O'Day was a local commercial and and theater actor in Pittsburgh. So these were not famous people, you know, coming in and doing this movie. So I try not to like dig on them too much, but Dwayne Jones was legitimately good throughout. Like he did a lot of heavy lifting and I thought he did a really good job in all elements of the movie in terms of the performance.
0: Yeah, I think uh, honestly, based off that performance and that kind of being his first, I think it was his first major role, uh, he had complete legitimate chops. Uh, he he could have stood right next to any of the other leading men of the day.
1: Yeah, he did a really really good job. All right, so for worst performance, and again, I want to preface this by saying, you know, these, these actors yeah. were not exactly meant to be you know, all stars, and, and no one in this cast really went on to do much of anything. I mean, they weren't, you know, none of these, none of these actors or actresses went on to become like, you know, huge stars or anything. So I'll turn it to you. I know, I know where you're going and I know where I want to go. So worst performance in Night of the Living Dead. So for me,
0: it is Judith O'Day as Barbara, but I really, I kind of want to qualify that because I don't think it was actually the fact that she was a bad actress. I think she had a badly drawn character, you know, like if it's one of the big faults of this movie that I could even you know, pick out would be how quickly they make her a non-factor. Like she just, she goes from being what you assume is the lead to just somebody that gets pushed around the plot. Like she, she gets really meek and just catatonic and, you know, uh, okay, there's, there's some reason, right? She suffered some trauma just now, but everybody else did too. You know, now like everyone's kind of snapping to and, and, and getting with the program. Her character's not drawn that way. Her character just keeps kind of descending and becoming, you know, uh, just meek and and weak. And uh, I think it has a lot more to do with that than it did with any of her acting.
1: Yeah, see, now I disagree because I I like Judith O'Donnell and, and what she does. And again, you know, she I would say if anything, she overacts at points. You know, she kind of takes it to a little too much of a, of a you know she she needs to keep it about a <laughs> second, and she goes to a ten. Uh, you know, but but I actually like the, the beginning moments from the, from the from the the cemetery when the zombie first attacks her and then her brother saves her and then he falls and then she's running away. And she gets to the house. That she does a very good job of portraying like a terrified person, and she has like a well, you know, she does it. You know, she she gets it good. She has a good screen face and all that kind of stuff. And then in the house, you know, there's a couple of moments where it gets a little hokey, and and, and obviously like when she's telling the story about Johnny again later in the movie, it gets a little overacted. But you know, playing that kind of catatonic, traumatized, kind of scared person, I, I enjoy that because. You know, in that moment, I mean, you cannot predict how you would react. I mean, it's it's kind of like what they uh. did. You know, a, a, again, not to switch this on another movie, but like with the 2018 Halloween movie, when they basically you know retconned every other Halloween movie after the first one, and they showed how trauma so adversely affected Laurie Strode after she'd been attacked when she was a teenager, and it basically turned her into this like you know backwoods you know survivalist who is always waiting you know, for this guy to come back and kill yeah. her. And it, and it more or less ruined her life. And I think when you think about trauma, if you have not gone through that, and I hope most people haven't gone through that kind of trauma, you don't really know how you're mm-hmm. going to react. So I thought she did a pretty solid job of displaying that kind of like shock deer in the headlights. Look for the most part. Now, again, there's definitely some overacting in there as well. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but again, yeah. I thought overall she didn't, she didn't do too bad. Now for me, my worst performance, and, and he was obviously the least liked character in the movie, is, is Carl Hardman as Harry Cooper. <laughs> and the reason why Harry Cooper is You're my, uh, yeah, why Carl is is my worst performance is obviously he's the character everyone likes least. There's no doubt about that. He's the guy who you know, always wants he yeah. wants to go in the basement, which is the wrong move. He wants to take the gun from Ben, which is the wrong move. He wants to not go. He you know every every move he makes is kind of the wrong one. Uh, but I think the reason I dislike his performance more than anyone is there's a couple of moments throughout the movie where he gets to the point of playing like a cartoonish villain. Like I swear to God, there's a couple of moments where I yeah. feel like he's going to be twirling a mustache because he's like, you can't go outside. <laughs> eh?
0: <laughs> like He's got that kind of like
1: cartoonish, like, you know, like cowboy villain in him. Uh, and and that, yeah, yeah, that's a bit yeah. much for me.
0: <laughs> no, I got to agree. I mean, yeah, if I wasn't going to pick Judith, he was, he was probably my, uh, my my next pick for sure but again there, there's something to that though isn't there like he's he's obnoxious even like like even though it is on the surface bad acting like it totally plays into how you feel about the character, like you're just like, Ugh, get this guy out of my face. This is the last guy I want to see right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they made him person they, they made him so dislikable It works, you know. I mean, he's a very unlikable character. Right. Uh, but it's just there's a couple of moments yeah. where he kind of turns into a bit of a cartoon villain, and I'm just like, he literally, there's a couple moments where he goes, mm? and I'm just like, oh, dude, like that's a little bit too much. <laughs> but again, again. I think everyone, at some outside of Dwayne Jones, who 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 does play, and I when I say this, I mean it's a kind of you know very muted performance. He's not overly loud in any element, you know. Any any moment in yeah. this movie, do I really feel like Dwayne Jones gets overly you know loud? This movie, Judah Day obviously has it, and I think he does as well. He gets a little bit. Again, you're right for the villain part. He's kind of got to go that route a little bit. I just think sometimes he could you know just. Reel it in a, <laughs> a slight touch there, man. You know what I mean. So, uh, but but I tell you what. I gotta but, say, I but. Go ahead. Good. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, but I will say what they're trying to do with the character works because obviously I hated the character, and I mean that in a good way. Like he was a very dis, a very unlikable character, yeah. and that's what they were going for.
0: I think. I mean, I'm. I think I'm just gonna uh, ex- exclamation point what you're saying because. To me, that, that character of Harry, and I, I don't know a lot of movie references before this that have the paranoia boxed in group, but like that character of Harry like shows up in a lot of movies, even movies that aren't horror movies, but where a group of, of strangers are locked together, there's a Harry in every one of those movies. And I gotta wonder if, again, we're talking about a massively influential movie here, I gotta wonder if the Harry character didn't influence a ton of characters from there to come because I that that is a very uh a very specific archetype and it shows up in movie after movie across all types of genres.
1: Yeah, again, I mean in a lot of ways they, they set the stage for a lot of what movies were gonna become with this one film, and you're absolutely right. I mean they you know they kind of made the protagonist the antagonist, you know, the heroine, you know, the, the kind of the the, the the damsel in distress a little bit, you know. And obviously that's been dispelled a lot, you know, modern movies. But in that era, that was kind of what they yeah. created with that movie. So, yeah, and like I said, overall, I, I, I you know, enjoyed all the characters. I disliked the the Ben, the ben or excuse me, the, the Harry character, but they wanted you to dislike yeah. him. They didn't want you to like him. If you're rooting for oh, Harry, yeah. you probably got something off, you know what I mean? So... Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I think he succeeded. Yeah, you know, we we know all the guys who root for a guy like Harry, <laughs> and, no, and
1: nobody wants to hang out with those guys. Exactly, exactly. All right, now our next category is best line. Now, normally, I like to play the best line, and we'll talk about your favorite line and *Patrick*, and we'll talk about my favorite line. But I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it here and say we're both gonna like the same line. And I don't think it's a giant shock that this would be our favorite line. I also don't think it's a favorite sho- uh, a big shock why this would be our favorite line. So let's play our favorite line from Night of the Living Dead and then we'll talk about it. Here we go. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it. You're acting like a child. Look, they're coming for you. Look. That comes one of them now. All right. Iconic, of course. <laughs> even if you haven't seen Night of the Living yeah. Dead, you probably heard, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Uh, iconic. Yeah. I mean, come on. And horror movie lines, like, you know, you're going to need a bigger boat. You yeah, know, there's certain horror movie lines. If you haven't yeah. seen it, you know it. They're coming to get you, Barbara, is one of those. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. It, it permeates the culture, and that's, like, I wasn't going to be pretentious and try to like find a, a more obscure line that I thought was cooler. That's the coolest line. Like that's so. They're coming to get you, Barbara. It's so cool. Everybody knows it. It's been used like throughout cinema uh, and, and TV uh, history since then. Like it, it's super iconic. You could not, you could not not use that line. That's just the best one.
1: Yeah, and it, and it sets the stage. You know, like I said, in that moment, you know, when they're going to put, you know, uh, flowers on their father's grave, you're really not knowing what it's going to be at that point. And then, you know, when you see that one stumbling guy kind of coming towards them him saying that, you know, realizing that when they came to the cemetery before she was scared and she had kind of you know been that her brother kind of plays on that. And that's totally a sibling thing. You would absolutely do that to your little brother or sister. I think we probably all have if we had little sure. brothers or sisters. I was I was a little brother. So they did it to me. Uh, you know, so I understand that. So, like everyone kind of has gone through that. And it just again, iconic line but it does set the stage for for the you know for the next you know ten minutes of the movie when she's running from the zombie you know that that just kind of rings true that look in Johnny's eye when he kind of you know smiles and smirks and goes they're coming to get you Barbara it's just it's it's iconic there's just nothing there's yeah. no better way to say it
0: yeah and you know hats off to him because of the the way he delivers it too it's just it's so good.
1: Yeah, does, does a great job. All right, uh, best scare in this movie. A little different category here. Best scare, uh, there's obviously, it is it is a horror movie. It is not a horror comedy or any other kind of movie in that regard. So it is a scary movie. So for you, Patrick, what was the best scare in Night of the Living Dead?
0: My favorite scare in the movie is uh, when Barbara gets into the farmhouse and she comes across that the, the body of, I think it was the woman who, who had the farmhouse, she was kind of dead and rotted. And I thought like, I just thought it was a good shocker moment. Like if you're sitting in the theaters for the first time, you don't really know what you're getting into. That moment is like, it's well-timed, it's well-paced. And it really just like comes out of nowhere. And even the last two times I watched it, like, you know, it's about to come, but it just, it hits you unexpectedly every single time. So that, that for me is the best scare.
1: For me, the best scare is the opening sequence where Barbara is running from the zombie. That actually worked really well. There was a couple of moments watching it last night. And again, I've seen this movie dozens of times. But there was a couple of moments, even even though I've seen it, even though I know exactly what happens, I could probably quote the movie to you. Uh, I still, you know, your heart beats a little bit faster in that moment when she's running from this zombie and he's chasing her. And, you know, she gets in the car, he comes after her, he grabs a rock, which is not a modern Romero zombie by any stretch of imagination, but he grabs a rock to break through yeah. the door. And, and her terror of being chased in that moment feels very... She did a great job, did a very good job of displaying that terror of being chased. And I don't have that, like, that that phobia of being chased, but I understand that phobia. And I think she did it really, really well. I think there was a real terror in that moment. And there is, like I said... It's not scary to me in that regard because I've seen it a million times and, you know, I'm kind of desensitized to a lot of horror at this point, especially movies I've seen that many times. But I remember watching it when I was a kid, like when I understood the movie better when I got older. And I also understood it now when I watched it last night, there were a couple moments where it kind of, I won't say it jolted me, but it's kind of like, oh, you know, get to the farmhouse, get to the farmhouse. Because you just kind of feel it. So that's my favorite scare. It's a very effective scare of her running from the zombie. And I think it, it works. I think it was a very well shot scene, a very well done scene of showing like the terror of her being chased in that moment
0: it is one of the better like horrific scenes in the movie. And I, uh, it does have uh, almost like a dreamlike quality. Like if you have a dream where some weirdo is coming after you, it has a lot of that feel in it. You know, I don't know. I don't know George's, uh, uh inspiration for how he put that together, but that's how I can kind of justify it as being creepy and scary in that respect. And I love that you brought up that it's not your typical zombie. And it, this whole movie the zombies are, uh, and I'm not criticizing it when I say this, but the zombies are inconsistent. The zombie acts how the zombie acts. Some are slower. This one was faster. He was actually, at one point, he was kind of running. Like, he moves pretty quickly. So the, there were these people that kind of came out in the, in the 2000s when Dawn of the Dead came out, the, the Zack Snyder remake. They were like, zombies aren't fast. And then 28 days later came out, and they're like, they're ruining zombies. The zombies are never fast. The first zombie you ever see by the man himself, George A. Romero, was a fast zombie. And there are other fast zombies in this movie.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, the zombies in this movie, for the most part, they kind of have a bit of a Frankenstein quality to them. Like, they're not totally, yeah. like, they're not completely un- like dead in that moment. Like, they're scared of fire, which is a very Frankenstein, you know. Uh, you know, Frankenstein's yeah. scared of fire, like that kind of thing. Like, that's how, that, that, you know, when they're throwing the Molotov cocktails out the window and they're scared of the fire and he sets fire to the to the to the to the chair and throws it outside and they're kind of scared of the fire and they're making noises, they're doing the ah you know, like and like I said. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are different elements of these zombies. I mean, obviously, the zombie picking up a rock and smashing it through a window, like, that's not a typical, even a typical <laughs> Romero zombie by his future staff. High level zombie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it still works. And I hate, I hate, one thing. And I, like I said, I even though, you know, like I said, in terms of, of horror movies, I've seen a million zombie movies, and I love zombie movies. And and the one thing that irritates me is that you know there's some people who think there is a, a there's a right way and a wrong way to do a zombie movie. They got to be slower. Yeah. They, no. And I you know what? When I saw yeah. Dawn of the Dead the remake the first time and they were running, that was that was shit terrifying, man, because they're running after you 28 oh, man. days later. Cool. <laughs> 28 days later had a couple yeah. of moments where I was like, "Oh god, like, you know, there there is some real tension when yeah. they're running at you." You know what I mean? So like It's not. There's no right or wrong way to do a zombie movie. Just and I understand George Romero said, you know, later in life, like they all, he doesn't believe in the running zombies. He said it, and I get it. He's the godfather of zombie movies, but I don't. I don't think there's a right way or wrong way to do it. Just like this one. Like if, if if you look at it now compared to like Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead, like the zombies aren't picking up bricks and throwing them through windows, but. That works in that moment, man. When that zombie picks up that rock and smashes that window, you feel that terror on Barbara's face. You feel that terror for trying to get out of the car. And that doesn't really work. He's just sitting there like kind of palm slapping the window and he can't get through.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, There's, there is no right way. And I actually appreciate whether it was intentional or not that in this movie, in, in the, in the, in the day one movie of zombies, they're inconsistent and different that to me is more scary it's more scary if like oh that one zombie he's really slow so i don't we don't have to worry we're going to run around him then we run into a zombie who's super fast and can throw rocks at me okay that's a problem i like that <laughs> it keeps it unexpected it keeps it different i, I dig it i i
1: want to keep it that way yeah absolutely absolutely all right now again 1968 was not the pinnacle of effects for a movie but this still has some solid effects so there was yeah. some gore in this movie there wasn't there was there was a little bit of gore in this movie. So, Patrick, for you, in *Night of the Living Dead*, what was the best gore for you in this movie? The best gore for me
0: was uh, when when the zombies kind of finally descend on the group and they start to devour uh, some of the members of the group and they're eating the guts. You know that to me, uh, and 1968, that must have been incredibly shocking. And you know, there's a there there's there's not enough credit due to sound design. Often, the sound design there is disturbing on top of what you're seeing. Like it's it's very squishy. Kind of, uh, you can hear the guts and things, and the and the mouths chewing and tearing. Like that's that adds to it. So t- to me, that's the best gore uh moment in the movie.
1: Yeah, that is the best gore. But I'll give you another one just to like add one because you're absolutely right. Rewatching that last night, there yeah. were a couple of gross moments where I'm kind of like, eh. Like where they're eating the guts and like, you know, when he's eating the and you the one of them definitely looks like a chicken leg or a turkey leg, but it's still kind of gross when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. That yeah. is the best gore. But the other one, I'll kind of flip it because you had your best scare. I actually think that was the best gore, that, that woman, the decomposed body in the house. I think <laughs> in terms of the gore, that was really well done. Like that did not look. For 1968 if you look at a lot of movies that you know showed like the human body at that point like there was you know it's advanced so far to to, to where we're now even in practical yeah. effects when you talk about guys like you know Greg Nicotero who does it for the Walking Dead or Tom Savini guys like that who are kind of the masters of their craft or you know you know iconic you know makeup guys in the in the industry um, but back then that was not the standard and I think that dead body inside the house of we assume is the farmhouse owner you know decomposed that That is good. I agree. That is a good scare when Barbara spots the body, but the body itself was we're, really well done when they zoom in. Like that looked creepy. That looked really creepy in that moment. And that's why it's my favorite gore because it is a good scare, but it's a good scare in my mind effectively because of the gore.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a shock when it like shows up on screen, you know, like for me, the scare part was the pacing that led up to it. And then the, and how it just pops on the screen. And then of course, just what you're saying, the gore is effective and good and, and shocking. You know, you haven't seen it like the, the first zombie you see, it just looks like a guy. It doesn't look zombie like at all. He's just sort of acting like a zombie. But when you see this, it's like, Whoa, that's crazy. You know, the skin is like rotted away. Eyeballs are there and the, and the teeth are, you know, exposed. Eh, it's cool. It's a cool, it's a cool gore moment.
1: Yeah, but but obviously the, the zombies eating the guts, you know, is, is definitely the best. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's it, it's a it's a you know minute or two long sequence when they're you know they're digging out the body. You see them eating. I think there's one that's actually eating an arm. You can actually see like the hand of the arm or the foot. I can't remember yeah, what it is, yeah. but like there you see it there and you see the air parts. And and they they do a really good job. And and also credit where credit's due for the gore part of this, doing it in black and white and doing it effectively because typically you would think you need to see the flesh, you need to see the blood. They don't have yeah. that in black and white and it still works really well. And I think what you're saying, phenomenal point, it's the sound editing because you hear the sound effects, that squishy yes. kind of gross nastiness that adds that element of, of like, had, like the grossness to it that you don't get yeah. because of the black and white. Cause normally when you're in color, like when you think about the scene in day of the dead, when the, when the, when the colonel or the major, or whatever his name is, is getting ripped apart and they're ripping his, his guts out. And you kind of see that. That's like one of the most iconic parts of Day of the Dead. And a lot of that is the blood and guts effect. When they're actually pulling the guts out, you see the color of it. You see the blood. It kind of, oh my God, it stands out to you. You don't really have that in a black and white movie. You don't have the blood. You don't have the flesh color. So you have to depend on other elements. And watching them eat it, and then the sound effects really make that work the look is great but the look itself doesn't work you have to add in the chewing and the the sound of it and the the kind of grossness though like i said that slimy i don't know how to describe it like that kind of you know like that gross like you know that that it sounds like somebody eating really you know like eating really
0: obnoxiously
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so it's kind of like you know it's just like I don't know. It, it it yeah, it's like somebody eating with their mouth open. You know what I mean? Like it was like close your mouth dude, like but like <laughs> yeah. really gross. You know what I mean? Like really grossly eating. And yeah, it works because if you yeah. don't do that, that doesn't really work. If you don't have that sound effect and you don't really show that, then it doesn't work because you don't have the visual, the visual effect isn't as much in that scene.
0: Right, absolutely. But
1: you know, there we there we go. 1968,
0: uh, people just walking around eating other people. Yeah, so that had to be crazy shocking.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, our biggest category that we get to each and every week on Rewind of the Living Dead, is we talk about uh, past, present, and uh, you know, few, uh, horror movies. Uh, you know, in terms of what we're talking about, obviously when we talked about like Host. In our previous episode, that's a new one, so we couldn't say, is it scary today? Because it just came out, so is it scary is our category. But today, because we are talking about an iconic movie, a 1968 movie, is Night of the Living Dead still scary today? Patrick, what say you?
0: I say, I don't, I don't believe it's a scary film, but it is a scary film. It's super, it's really weird. Like, maybe there, and, and, and when I said early on in the, in the podcast, atmosphere. There's something about the atmosphere of this movie that is is une is unsettling, and so I know I'm not scared. I, I can I can turn off the lights, walk around my house. That's how many. That's it's usually my litmus test, right? Can I do that afterwards? This one gives me just a little bit of pause, just a slight bit of pause, and for that, I like I want to you know, and, and I and also it's it's such an important film. I want to give it its due. I think it is scary. And uh, 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 in in its own
1: unique way, does that make sense? No, it does. It does. And, and, and I I would actually advocate that it is scary today, uh, in a way. You know, it's not scary in the way that when yeah. I watch, you know, when I watch certain movies, you know, the, the you know my all time favorite, you know, what I'll call a scary movie, not just a horror movie, but a scary movie it doesn't scare me in that way. Like when I watched, have you ever seen the movie? I'm sure we'll talk about this movie at some point. Have you ever seen the movie session nine, uh, horror movie called session. No. Nine. Okay. We're going to talk about that at some point. Great movie takes place yeah. in a, in a, in a mental institution, an abandoned mental institution about guys who are like asbestos cleaners who go in to clean out this, uh, this uh, former uh, mental institution. And, The first time I saw that, when I saw it at home on on DVD or video, I can't remember which one it was, uh, I literally had to turn on the lights. It got really creepy. Like, there's some really creepy (laughs) elements to that movie. That is a terrifying movie. That movie terrified me when I first saw it. Night of the Living Dead doesn't terrify me. But is it scary? I would say yes, because, as I said, just watching that opening sequence last night where Barbara is running from the zombie in the cemetery and she gets to the farmhouse... That's a scary moment when... Uh, ben and, and it was a Tom and Judy are going out to the truck to take the truck to try to get it gas. Yeah. Judy, you dumbass, stay in the house. I don't know why you're running out to the truck in the first place. <laughs> uh, but like when they're in that moment where they're trying to get away from the zombies to get out there and get gas, like that is a good chase sequence. That is a well. So again, if that element you know, makes you paranoid, if you're not, like I said, if you have that phobia of being chased, I, it, is, it is still scary. It still works. Now, again, did it scare me now? No, but I've seen this movie, you know. Forty times, so nothing really scares me at this point. But are there elements of it that are still scary? Are there are moments of it that are still scary. Absolutely, it still works. You know, because when they're when she's running away, you're like, get away, get away. When they're in that truck trying to get to the gas, you're like, go, go, go. Uh, you know, those moments to me yeah. still work very, very well. And so I would say yes, in, in a lot of ways. It is still scary. It's not terrifying. It's not one of those movies, like you said, where I'm going to have to flip on the lights and I'm not going to be able to sleep that night because there have been those horror movies where I'm like, yep, not sleeping tonight." night. Uh, but this nah, is, this, had... is yeah, this is yeah, not one of those. But for, I look, the way I like to look at it is this. If, if, if somebody had never seen Night of the Living Dead and they were watching this, would they be scared? And I think there are elements where people would be scared watching this movie today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do know what you mean, and you
0: know what, and something that probably doesn't get talked about enough, and and this, and it hit me on the last viewing, is the end, uh, uh, when when Ben is is killed by the uh, by the by the uh, the militia that's like trying to mow down all these uh, all of the um, zombies, that ending sequence, he shot, and then they kind of go on to like a news report, and then it sort of just shows you images, all those images, they kind of invoke like the civil rights movement, they invoke a little bit of like, you know, the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like there's these moments in there that, that are clear. And George A. Romero was intentional with that. Like it, what it did start to look like a newsfeed from the 1968 uh, civil rights movement, where you just, something is unsettling about that. Like again, scary, scary is a, is a subjective thing. Right. And that, like was I scared in that moment no but man it, it left me with a with a weird feeling that stays and i have to give credit to that cuz not every movie can
1: do that no, you're absolutely right. And another, you mentioned that ending moment, like when they're when they're when the militia is kind of you know taken back to town and they're trying to stalk out more of the ghouls as they're calling them, and they shoot Ben. That is, again, not scary, but it's an upsetting moment. Like when you're like, oh my god, Ben survived. Yeah, you know, Barbara. Barbara gets pulled out of the house and she gets killed. And obviously Harry dies and everyone else dies. Tom and Judy get blown up and their kid, you know, uh Harry and his wife's kid. You know, she becomes a zombie and she's dead. So like the last man standing is Ben. Down in that basement when he finally emerges and he hears the people outside, he's kind of like, you know, finally he's saved. You're like, oh man, he's gonna make it. And when he's like, oh, there's one, he shoots him through the window and he's just dead. They're like, one more for the pile. And it's just like, oh, like that's a gut, yeah. like that's a gut wrenching moment. You're kind of like, no, yeah. how are you going to kill Ben? Yeah, uh, you know, it's not scary, but you're kind of like, <laughs> you're sho- It's shocking. That's the word I'm like. It's shocking. It's a shocking. Yeah. moment. Like, it still yeah. works. Out. when I watched it last night, I'm like, did they change the ending? No, he still gets killed. Damn it! <know>?
0: I'm going to watch this one more time just to see if Ben survives. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just going to go check.
1: Like you want, that's it. That's kind of, we're made to, we're made in, in horror movies, you're made to believe there's going to be a survivor. That's how the whole final girl trope began. There was always that one girl who always survived yeah. a horror movie. There's always some one person who survives a horror movie. And this was like, no, you don't, not everyone survived. <laughs> like the one guy who should have survived got shot and killed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a bummer. It's a downer, but yeah, it, it's, it just stays in your gut and uh, I dig it, man. I mean, it's yeah, it's good stuff.
1: What I also like is, is because one of the other things, what's crazy is, is, is George Romero, when he made Night of the Living Dead and then 10 years later came out with Dawn of the Dead and a lot of people will tell you Dawn of the Dead is the better movie. And I would, I, in a lot of ways I agree. And Night of the Living Dead holds a special place in my heart because it was one of the first movie, the first horror movie I ever saw. But in terms of like, a better viewing experience, a better movie experience. Dawn of the Dead is the better movie, in my opinion. Uh, but what I love about it is is that George, you know, until, until, you know, years later when he actually had Tom Savini show up in Land of the Dead after he had been in Dawn of the Dead, he never had carryover characters. It was always... One film next, but they're all called a series. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead. Like they're all connected as dead movies, but none of them are really connected. Like that, he, he set the stage with Night of the Living Dead with Ben getting killed at the end. That the, these characters won't necessarily—you'll never see them again. You may never see them again. I, I kind of enjoyed that because we've kind of we've kind of fallen prey to the sequel in in horror films and, and a lot. And yeah. listen, there are some. Yeah. I mean, I love House of a Thousand Corpses. It's a fun movie. Devil's Rejects is far, far better, and and probably you know one of my all time favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, you know, some sequels yeah. are better than the original. I'm not gonna lie about that. Uh, but I kind of like what they did with Dawn of the Dead, with with the Dead series. That there isn't they are technically sequels. They are all in the same series, but they're not really sequels. You don't you don't go back to the mall in Day of the Dead. You know what I mean? Like you know it's yeah. still going on. They're yeah. kind of carrying on that story. But they set the stage with that with Night of the Living Dead*. The one guy who shows the right, because I guarantee you, Patrick, in 2020, if somebody made *Night of the Living Dead* today, Ben survives and he shows up in *Dawn of the Dead*. You know what I mean? Like I guarantee you, that's what yeah. happens. Yeah, he does.
0: Yeah, he totally does. I, and you know what? I think the most successful, at least to me, horror films—the ones that stay, the, one, the ones that have true staying power—they didn't. The sequels did not rely on any sort of continuity. Uh, I think maybe maybe uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, it, it might be the most content it has has the most continuity I can think of. But it, you have to keep reinventing horror. If it, if it just kind of becomes the same formula every time out, it doesn't it doesn't have that thrill. That you know what's coming, you know they're gonna live, so it's all good. You got to find a way to kind of keep moving it into a new direction refreshing it. I think that's the way to go. And again, here we are talking about Georgia Romero. He was the first guy to do that.
1: Yeah, he really was. And like when you think about, you know, some of the modern horror films, you know, the survivor, you know, part of it, and I get it, you know, there's an element of that. Like I said, Lori making it out of Halloween, Nancy making it out of Nightmare on Elm Street. That makes sense. If you understand why that's happening. Uh but then I think about a franchise yeah. like Scream, which I really enjoy the Scream franchise. And we'll eventually get to Scream. You know, Scream one is the movie that got me back into horror films because I kind of gotten out of horror films and then you know, in high school and then back in college, my first or second year of college, Scream came out and I saw it in the theater and I was like, oh my god, I'm in love again. And and that you know and 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 the sequels, yeah. you know, Scream Two and Scream Three were okay. They were great. Scream Three I thought was pretty solid. Scream Two was okay. Scream Four when it came out I thought okay, you know, because at some point you know Sydney. You know, you, you know she's going to survive, and and it kind of got to the point where you're kind of like, I, I don't, I'm not rooting for her to die necessarily, but you kind of like you want that shock factor. Of, oh my God, if she can die, anybody can die. You know, like that kind of thing. Or you know, one of the other main characters, yeah. and, and they never pulled a trigger on that. Whereas Romero, man, he just, the, I mean, literally, it's the cold, it's the cold-blooded way for a guy to die. Ben pops out <laughs> of the basement. You think he's good? He sticks his head down the window. The dude blows his, you know, kills him. Shoots him right in the eyes. And yeah. you're like, what the hell? Yeah. And that's literally how it ends. No. Like, that is, yeah, that is like, that is literally like the ripping your guts out of the movie. And and that, and again, because we're so conditioned to the survivor, we're so conditioned to the final girl, or or however you want to put it. That that right there was, was everything because you never saw that coming. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you never saw Ben again, but, I mean, that's because, again, if this movie movie's made in 2020, I guarantee you, Ben survives. He's back for the sequel. Ben survives. But, you know, that's how it works.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. You know what? It just occurred to me. Um, I think it was the end of season of Walking Dead because most of that season is a, they're stuck on the farm and they're trying to find Carol's daughter. it was her name? Sophia? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember exactly yeah, what her name was. Yeah, Sophia. I didn't have a chance to look it up here, but yeah. So at the end, at the end of the season, she comes out of the barn and she was a zombie all along. It's heartbreaking. You're like, ah, shit. Like we've been going through all this and, and we're not going to get her back. Like, like that's to me so much more impactful. And you got to think Robert Kirkman was thinking about what would George Romero do here?
1: Yeah. That was one of the best moments in walking dead history. When she walks out of that, stumbles out of that barn dead uh and you're yeah. like you don't see it coming you just don't see it coming oh, so, so well done. good yeah, i don't so, know if the walking dead ever got better than that yeah that was a very very good moment i agree like i said you know obviously you know there you, you you in certain movies you're rooting for the heroine or the hero to survive obviously in a horror movie but there's some of them like i said you know like you know house of a thousand corpses you know no one survives that you know what i mean like no one makes it out and and yeah. and and I heard you. Know, I've heard Rob Zombie talk about that movie. Like you know, the guys he wanted to focus on the 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 quote unquote heroes of his movies, the people he wanted to focus on were the Firefly family, were the were the the, the killers. You know, they're the interesting ones, not yeah. necessarily the victims. And so you know, when you think about those movies, yeah, you're absolutely right. And so you got to juxtapose that occasionally for the audience, or it becomes predictable because there are a lot of slasher fan. And I again, I'm a huge slasher fan. But, some of the, again, every slasher movie you watch, you just expect the heroine or the hero to survive. And I get it. That's part of that movie's makeup. But I like that occasionally you get kind of tossed on your head about that. And Night of the Living Dead you know, 1968 really sets the stage for that. That would be like, you know, at the end of Jaws, if, like, you know, if, if the shark ate everybody. You know what I mean? Like, the shark just <laughs> ate everybody, and that's yeah, it. listen. Just a dorsal
0: fin swimming away at the end. Yeah, like black.
1: yeah, like that would have been such a different movie. You know what I mean? Now, obviously, I don't know. That, I don't know that <laughs> word. Sounds
0: cool, actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, Night <laughs> of the Dead sets that stage by kind of you know, like upsetting your your what you expect to happen because you don't expect him to get killed. You don't. You expect him to be the one guy who survives, and he did. He did survive. The zombies didn't get him. The asshole outside with the rifle got him.
0: I know, yeah, Just tr- it's tragedy, it's like pure tragedy, you're just like, oh, God, you're heartbroken at the end, and I don't think a lot of movies in that day went that direction, I think most movies, for the most part, like, the hero wins, the hero gets the girl, the hero, whatever, whatever happens, the hero survives, so even on that level, George was doing something different
1: Yeah, absolutely was, absolutely was, well Night of the Living Dead, of course, I think we can both agree. I don't know that we're giving a rating to these movies, but you know, I think it's pretty clear we both really love Night of the Living Dead. It's an iconic film. It's an all-time great. And if for some unknown reason, you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen it yet. Thank you for listening, but stop what you're doing and go watch the damn movie, even if you have seen it and you haven't seen it in several years. Go watch it. It's still a fun yeah. watch. It's still enjoyable. It's on Shudder right now. I don't know where else it's available for free, but I know it's on Shudder right now. You can watch the original version on Shudder right now. Um, it still holds up. Like I said, it, it, it's still a well done movie. I like I said, watching it last night, I just enjoyed it. Like I was just like, man, I, I understand why I still love this movie. It still works in so many ways.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also on HBO max right now, if you have HBO max and I'm going to check and see, it. it might be on Amazon video as well, but I'm pretty sure, but I'm almost certain it's on HBO max Yeah. in case you don't have shutter, which if
1: you're listening to this podcast, you probably have Shudder. Yeah, Shudder's great. I love Shudder. Shudder is, uh, is, uh, is how I've watched a lot of the movies we've talked about so far in this podcast. So, yeah, I highly recommend that. And, A, and just so everyone knows, I'm not getting paid by Shudder. Although, Shudder, if you want to pay me, feel free. Feel free to throw a couple ducats our way for the Rewind to the Living Dead podcast. We will yeah. gladly cash in. Uh uh would that be
0: on, yeah,
1: w- with that with that being said, as you're looking this up, as we tease what's coming next, uh we've we've talked about a lot of different films on this on this podcast so far, Patrick. We talked about The Shining and Doctor Sleep, we did From Beyond, we did host Night of Living Dead. And when we talk about another iconic Halloween, you know, movie again, not talking about Halloween necessarily, but like that Halloween holiday. We talked about, you know, Night of the Living Dead, and we could have easily followed up with Dawn of the Dead. We could have followed up with Day of the Dead. We could have followed up with Diary of the Dead if we really wanted to. But next week on Rewind of the Living Dead, what are we talking about? Because I think this is going to be a special one.
0: I wish you could see the shit-eating grin on my face because it's one of my absolute favorite horror films of all time, The Return of the Living Dead. The punk rock Weird, slimy, nasty, silly, The Return of the Living Dead.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, unlike Night of the Living Dead, I haven't seen Return of the Living Dead in a while, and I obviously haven't seen that nearly as many times as I've seen Night of the Living Dead. Now, of course, they're not really attached to each other, they're not sequels or anything, but. Uh, much, much, much different. Much, yeah, much, much different films. Uh, but Return of the Living Dead is, is a crazy, wild, uh, out there movie. Actually, I think when we talked about this originally, I was like, is that a trauma movie? Because it seemed like it would be a trauma movie. It's not a trauma <laughs> movie. Uh, but but I was like, is it? Because it's kind like, of yeah, it's kinda like that out there, like, you know, you're kind of like, what the hell am I watching right now? Uh, that kind of feeling to it. So yeah, Return of the Living Dead is going to be our next podcast. Uh, It felt like a good way to do it, and then we'll move on to some different movies after that. But yeah, for Night of the Living Dead, this has been a fun one. As I said, one of my all-time favorites. And next week, we're going to talk about one of your all-time favorites. I have a feeling you're going to be just as jazzed to talk about uh, Return of the Living Dead as I have been talking about Night of the Living Dead.
0: Absolutely. I actually have been to some of those locations in Return of the Living Dead. I realized that last time I watched it. So yeah, I'm going to be the Damon Martin next week for... uh, (laughs) <laughs> for, for, for a wacky, silly zombie movie.
1: Yeah, very much looking forward to that. All right, folks, we appreciate everyone tuning in to this week's episode of uh, Rewind. I'm about to call this Return. Rewind of the Living Dead. A lot of Living <laughs> Dead's in this episode. Rewind of the Living Dead. Make sure you subscribe to us right. on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify. Just search for Rewind of the Living Dead. We're on both platforms now. You can also follow us on Twitter. I am at Damon Martin, and you are at Director Patrick. Make sure you follow us both on there. Thank you for tuning in to another week of Rewind of the Living Dead. We will see you next week with Return of the Living Dead. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then.